Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome to part... (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to part one of the Geeks Fright Fest 2016 podcast extravaganza. Um, Extravaganza. I'm your host, Al White. I'm joined by, on my left... Where you say your name. Oh, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> Chris Straver on my right. Katie Watson. And in the background, Geeks. <laughs> the ghost of Geeks, Tamaro Ishida, <laughs> reclining in a sofa. Um, so, yeah, every year we go to a film festival, in case you don't know what this podcast is all about, this special. Um, and we go to a thing called Fright Fest in London, in the UK. Because we're fancy. And this is my 14th year. I missed one year, but it's Yay. my 14th year. Uh, Chris, how many years are you kind of coming on? Uh, this is my second full year of the festival, yeah. You did a bit the year before, didn't you? Uh, yeah, a couple of days. Like okay. Bits and bobs. This okay. is my third, right? Yeah. Yeah. So wait, so it would be amazing if the the film you're doing will get in. It's going to be your 15th. Ooh, year. that's a good yeah. number. Yeah. Good solid makes round number. Makes me even older though, 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going the first year and going, I want to get a film in this festival. <laughs> 15 years um, but yeah if people don't know it is it's kind of built as a horror festival it's not it's a cult genre festival so science fiction films uh, but yes a lot of horror films as well um, actually I'm gonna I'm gonna read through I've made a little list of some of the highlights of previous years just to Ooh, give people an mm-hmm. idea of the kind of thing you can expect which may help them get some perspective as we go through Should all the films Should you tell the year that those came out though because like mm-hmm. some of them it's pretty exciting that they came out now but at the time they were just like another film yeah. Whereas, well, I think you I can tell know. from when these were. So you, I mean, so these are all, um, you know, some form of premiere, whether it's UK premiere, European premiere, some are world premieres. Uh, a few of them are just previews and stuff like that, but they're doing the festival rounds. And you get a lot of directors and cast and stuff turn up, um, so which is always great. Some previous great films at the festival. Their first year they had Pitch Black. Their second year they had Battle Royale and mm-hmm. Jeepers Creepers. Third year they had uh, Donnie Darko, although I've written down Ronnie Darko here, which is oh. presumably oh. the, the threequel. <laughs> uh, they also had The Eye, uh, Dark Water, Insomnia, they've had uh, Old Boy, uh, High Tension, Hell Boy, uh, yeah, tons of Pan's Labyrinth, um, and all these people used to turn up as well, you'd get Rob Zombie, you'd get Guillermo del Toro, you'd get, you know, Jeez, that's so lots, cool. lots of cool people. Um, so it's very esteemed, and it's become one of the greatest horror festivals in the world, um, and it's grown hugely. They said, what are they at now, 7,000? 12,000. 12,000. Yeah, 12,000. 12, they said their first year it was four. Or something. I think it was under that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It might have been smaller. And they've hopped cinemas a lot. This year, we're actually moved out of the centre of London. We've normally been in Leicester Square for the last fourteen, uh, well, sixteen years. If you've been going to the whole <clears throat> festival the whole time. This year, we're in Shepherd's Bush, which we're a bit worried about, but I kind of liked it. It's good vibe. Yeah, it was I just a little it. bit more difficult, I think, to get to. For us, yeah. It was nice though, because it kind of we gave it a little bit more of an place. exclusive vibe. You didn't, you weren't right in the middle of Leicester Square. You weren't in the middle of the crazy. Mm-hmm. It was kind mm-hmm. of just a set aside little strip mall with a cinema. It was kind of felt more like it was just for us. It was tucked sort of away. Thing. Yeah, and we had every screen in the cinema, yeah. so it definitely was like the festival took over, which yeah. was great. Which um, was except for the fact that we had just run the corner from this big carnival that happens every year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Notting Hill Carnival. Yeah. So there's a lot of crazy There's always going to be something, though, on a bank holiday weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so what we like to do, and we've done this the last two years, I think, uh, maybe longer. You can go and check for our old podcast, uh, but we like to review every single film that is on a Fright Fest. Now, these are all films that you might not get to see. Well, some of them you'll get to see this month. Some you won't get to see for a year. It really depends on the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to rattle through them as quickly as possible, but we are splitting this podcast into two. So I'm going to try and do them like an hour a piece. 
okay. uh, maximum. Uh, right. So we can really like bang through them. But we might get through them quicker. So we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, so how they do it now, just to explain to people, they have a, a discovery screens. Now discovery screens I've had for the last few years. It's lots of extra movies that for they seem to think they need, which we'll get into definitely later in this mm-hmm. podcast, um, which used to be the kind of B-list of movies or the sort of underdog movies or the really small ones. Oh, they maybe. would show like classic films or something. Yeah, sometimes they show a few classics as well. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bunch of cinema screens that they donate. Uh, sorry, not donate. They, well, yeah, I guess. Donate to the Discovery screens. We don't see any of those because we don't want to miss the main screen films. So we're not going to be covering those movies. There's always some gems. Uh, we'll probably talk about them over the months as they kind of appear um, in other formats. What we are going to talk about are the main screens. They split them into three now for the last two or three years. Um, and basically, because they have, can't get a cinema big enough for everyone anymore, so they do them in three screens, and they kind of shuffle the order of them depending on which screen you're in. So if anyone cares, we were in the arrow screen, which is the middle-sized one, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the films in the order they were on in that screen. That's the order we saw them. So you and me, Katie, we missed a few films. So Chris, though, you saw every film, didn't you? Yep, every single one. So you're going to be the voice of reason mm-hmm. on the three or four that we missed. We okay. missed two. I think we missed three. We missed three morning films because we're lazy. Oh, yeah, we did miss three. And then we walked out of one. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so before we get carried away, let's start the podcast. Uh, things kicked <clears throat> off on Thursday night. My first, so on the first night, they do sync all the films. Uh, so the first three films are the same order for all the screens. So everyone started with opening movie, My Father Die, uh, which is... I haven't had time to prep because we literally just got out of this, so I apologize. We're going to be leafing through the brochure um, a lot. Uh, My Father Die, which is a new film by Sean Brosnan, um, who we're presuming is the son of Pierce Brosnan because there's yep. a lot of talk about yeah. his father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, starring Joe Anderson, John Schneider, Kevin Gage, and Candace Smith, and uh, someone called Gary Stretch. Well, Pierce Brosnan is one of the producers as well, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So that would be a weird coincidence if they weren't related. Uh, <laughs> this movie is getting distribution by Fright Fest themselves. They distribute a few films. Raised a red flag for me initially because a lot of the films they distribute haven't been ones that I liked. So I was kind of like, oh, great. There's going to be a political move, this opening movie, which arguably it was. Um, so this is a movie about uh, it's a revenge thriller Um, it's about a how do you summarize this movie it was a uh, in a a jealous rage a father killed his oldest son and then went to prison and in the midst of killing his oldest son he hit his younger son so hard that he knocked him deaf Mm -hmm. um so he goes to prison for whatever it was like 20 years and then comes out and the younger son like basically pledges revenge but it all gets really muddy in the process of him getting revenge and then the dad kind of sweeping through the family to get his own sort of revenge yeah everyone yep that is basically it's a very father versus son or son versus father sort of film yeah um all right let's go around the table chris Mm mm-hmm what were your thoughts on this one? Opening movie. Uh, a, just do you, what do you feel about the movie and B as an opening movie as well? Did it work for you? Uh, it was okay as an opening movie. It wasn't um, like hyped and exciting. It was kind of just a very serious and uh, dark kind of film to start. Um, it wasn't horror, it was thriller. So uh, there's also that to note. But it was, yeah, I, I liked it. 
I think, I think out of um, selection of films we saw at this festival, it's kind of up there mm-hmm. in the ranks. Um, but yeah, I think it was quite well done. Okay. Um, we're going to try and give some scores, but we'll go around and give our opinions first and then try and give a score. We're going to do it out of 10, but on a 20-point scale. Okay. Cool with that. So yeah. I mean, you got point fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katie, my father died. Um, I thought cinematically it was really beautiful. Um, it had great like lighting and photography and framing and all of that stuff that you've taught me to come to appreciate in films. Um, and mm. then uh, I, th- I found the premise intriguing and unique uh, just because of the setting. I think that the way he, he chose to do it in like the Louisiana Bayou um, sort of thing was a great scene. I think that he kind of overplayed his hand a bit with that because it's a it's a thin line I think to tread in that you if you make your characters so backwoodsy that you have a hard time as not quote normal people but like as people who aren't in that environment I found it hard to relate to the character like I found it hard to empathize and to really be in the story with him that being said I thought that like the setup was good I thought there were a couple of faults here and there but on a whole I enjoyed it I don't know as an opening film if I would go back and choose it again because I would have expected maybe like a little bit more energy to begin Mm. the festival but on a whole I it's one that I would probably go back and watch again because artistically I really enjoyed it yeah I I thought it was a um I agree with both of you I think like I thought it was a bad film to begin a festival Mm -hmm. with I thought it would work maybe in the first night maybe as a second or third sure yeah um but it certainly wasn't an explosive opener or anything it was it was definitely the most arty of all the films, I think, this yeah. year, in terms of, you know, mm. aesthetically pleasing and quite yeah. artistically done. And there was some intro, it starts with a black and white and it keeps going back to these, very, yeah. some very yeah. beautiful photography. With the a lot of sections. ideas. Yeah, I had a lot of ideas. It was very stereotypical with its portrayal of characters, like you kind yeah. of were saying, um, which did annoy me. I like the lead guy quite a lot in this, so, um, who is who's essentially mute for the whole film. Yeah. Um, I thought he played it really, really well. Um, and there are a few dynamic, cool moments, and then there's just some ridiculously stupid ones as well. Um, I've got like I did like little Twitter reviews of each one, and I was, so I was just looking over them to try and refresh my brain. Um, and I just put down it's a well-shot mess of a movie with some good performances, plenty of ideas, but sadly, hardly any of them work. Which, yeah, looking back on it, I think I still feel the same way. But there is something there. I think it's a film where some people yeah. might really like it, and I could understand why yeah. they would. I think it would work so much better as like a short story or a, a novella to be yeah. honest because i think that that's a mm. world that you can really paint well in words and it's a lot harder to bring it onto the screen and to maintain what you're trying to say because he he d- you could see a lot of poetry in the director and what he was trying to do and he just had this vision and you could just see him like attempting at it and it was sadly futile in a lot of the things that he they just came up short and particularly the father is just he's ridiculous like he's, it's, it's yeah. completely well even the actor when he came out like you could like <laughs> pick him out of a crowd as an actor first yeah. off and he just like yeah it just it's a shot super yeah. testosterone out and just so I should have said this at the beginning of the podcast but we're going to try and not do any real spoilers for any of these films unless it's a film that we think is absolute garbage and you shouldn't see it anyway <laughs> yeah. uh, in which case we will highlight it we will say spoilers you know we're about to go into spoilers yeah. for a certain amount of time okay. yeah. so don't worry um, 
But yeah, there's a particular shot in this when the father comes out from a hiding place and it's, it, it, do you remember that? And it's all in slow motion and he's screaming. Yeah. And it's just yeah. ridiculous. It's so, mm-hmm. uh, so stupid. Um, and I just found it frustrating because it seemed like this could have been a really cool movie and instead I was like, well, at least there are ideas there and there's some art history, but it's not, right. it's not really working. But again, like, you know, that actor could only do what he was given with that role. And I think that he, because he even, I think, mentioned in the Q&A, he said he had a problem with this character like he was like is he really this angry like how why and how is he this angry and i think that that translated to the viewer because in as i've read with a lot from different authors like your villain should never be a hundred percent evil your villain should always have an empathetic thing that you can latch on to as a viewer or reader that yeah exactly that you can understand their path and their trajectory and where they're coming from um even like you know, as somebody like the Joker or someone who does like malicious evil things, they always have to give you a little bit of backstory, something for you to be like, yeah, but they're not all bad. There's always hope. And this guy was just like full throttle, 110% all the time. Yeah. It was kind of ridiculous. So it was really hard. Um, all right. Let's give some schools then. What would you give to my fucking guy? I gave it 6.5. 6.5. Have you been scrolling already? Yeah, I already wrote them all down. Nice. Can I borrow your pen? Because I haven't actually done schools this yeah. year. Normally I do it as I go along because it's going to be harder for me. I do it as I go along because I forget. I'll probably give this one. I'd give it a six, I think. <clears throat> the bits I did like about it, I did really like. But there's a lot I didn't like. Chris? Yeah, I'll go six. Six. Yeah. Uh, then we had the UK premiere of Cell, which is uh, the new f- uh, it's a film by Todd Williams, who directed Paranormal Activity 2. If you can't remember, it's the swimming pool one. The one. <laughs> the worst. Uh, or otherwise known as the worst paranormal. Yeah. Um, the one with he, the baby. And it stars John Cusack, Samuel L. Jackson, Isabel Furman, Stacey Keach, Joshua Miguel, and it was written uh, well based on the story by Stephen King. Um, so this is. It's a short story, right? Or no, no, I think this is a full length. Oh, I'm thinking of because we just watched uh, Shawshank. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tamara's delicately <laughs> treading down the stairs, so it's not to make Pretty noise. Great. Keep going, Tamara. No, no noise is too small. <laughs> um, essentially, it's just about a powerful signal uh, that is broadcast across mobile networks worldwide, and every cell phone's user's mind is reprogrammed, turning them all into instant zombie killers. And that is basically it. Yeah. That yeah. really is it. It's another zombie film, another apocalyptic film, this time using metaphor to do with how addictive we all are to our mobile phones mm-hmm. because. That's how simple Stephen King's writing but is. But texting is okay. Yeah, texting That's is That's what it taught me. Well, no, but texting yeah. came out garbled. Yeah, but it. you could still do it. Yeah, you could do it without being, yeah. 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 So social media is a fine, guys. Just don't talk to people on your phone. Yeah. It doesn't make sense because I don't think most people are talking on no. their phone. Most people are texting on their phone. Yeah. So that was yeah. a problem for me with the movie right for anyone. Well, it was like even if you were listening to music or something, like if you were connected yeah, to headphones Yeah, but that's the thing. Everyone whatever. seemed to have headphones in for something. I was yeah, like, but people always do. Like mm. half the time people aren't even listening to shit and you can tell. Yeah, and but it's not like the amount of people. People always have headphones They said everybody. Everybody. And I was like, well, yeah. Every- it wasn't everybody because it starts out in the airport. And I think it's probably, yeah, that's the majority. It's probably 60, 70% of the people. But they wouldn't all have their earphones on. It seems I like. don't know. They might all be on their phone in some capacity, but it'll be on get social media. Get off an medias, airplane. You're texting. pretty connected. As soon as you get off an airplane, you're like checking in, calling cabs. Blah, blah, yeah. Blah. Yeah, maybe. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm showing my hand a little early. I wasn't a fan yeah. of this film. <laughs> Katie, let's start with you because I think you were the biggest fan of this one. Um, I I th- I think it was also it helped me that it was towards the beginning of the festival because you know you're still in that like yay movies and I am a huge John Cusack fan like anything he's really in 
even if it's awful, I'll pretty much enjoy it. Um, which even as he grows older, I still love him. Like he's just adorable. And you also had Samuel L. Jackson who completely made this movie. Like the two of them, if it had been other actors, I would have hated this film. But because it was them, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I just like being along for the ride. It fell apart dramatically at the end. <laughs> oh but no it was, it was oh, a little yeah. fun. It was a little joy ride. Yeah, a little joy ride. Yeah. Okay. Chris? Let's get along. Yeah, I likewise, I enjoyed the first half. And then by the second half, it just became this muddled thing. <laughs> no one really could follow. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think even John Cusack was confused by the end. He didn't <laughs> really know what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Um, his hat was confusing me for the entire You're movie. just jealous of his hat. I wear a beanie hat all the time, and this, this movie nearly made me want to stop wearing beanie hats. His hat was Ridiculous. way too big for his head, he and it looked fine. stupid. And he mm. kept picking it up all the time when he was in dire danger. It was like Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's a little comfort blanket. Oh, God. I, I love the coups implicitly, but hey, mm. this... Um, I thought this movie I'm was not awful. saying it was the best. I'm just saying, like, I, it was like, whatever. I won't watch it again, but... I, re- I didn't think it was... I thought it was a dreadful movie. I thought it was really badly shot. Um, the directing was just horrible. And he, he directed it like he was doing a found footage movie, but, yeah. but it wasn't found footage. And he just kept moving from thing to thing without it really making any sense and it being out of focus on the thing he then moved to. And not just in a technical way, just then it seemed like nothing was really figured out. Do you think like that part of the problem was literally that it was based on a Stephen King story and they were afraid to have too much fun with it? Because there were elements of it that like, there was that one scene where they were like driving over a whole pool of, you know, zombified whatever. And it was like, that could have been a really fun scene. And know. instead, mm. they just kept everything so tonally drab uh, a little uh, bit or serious. I mean, to be fair, most Stephen King adaptations are shit. I know, but I'm just saying, Which, I think that if it had just been a story I, that they would have been like, no holds barred, just go have fun, then it could have been a really great film. But I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm, but then you're basically boiling it down to it could have been a great film from the premise, and the premise to me is really dull. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. I've seen it so many times. I don't need any more zombie films. I don't need any more social commentaries on cell phones. Asia were doing that literally in 2000 or 1999, and it's like, I've seen it too many times now. Yeah. Stuff, something came down your mobile phone, and it's really spooky. Um, there was literally nothing about this that I liked, and Samuel L. Jackson like did religious bible quotes at points and I was like this is disgraceful I just want to hear I just want an audio book of the bible that Samuel L. Jackson will read to me I don't know why that hasn't happened yet he's amazing it was uh, it was shameful I thought like I mean yeah Samuel L. Jackson did a good job with it Sean Cusack I'm ashamed to say he, was, he, he just seems stupid in this he movie he seemed bored um, but he, he was really a producer bored. in this like this is one of his like he kind of got this one going he didn't have anything to do for a couple of weeks he was like sure um, but yeah, I, personally, I think this is a really bad movie. Really, really bad movie. And it's placed to the worst of Stephen King cliches. I would avoid it massively. But it's out right now. If you want to do that to yourself, go for it. Go see uh, it. Scores? Um, four? I think. Four from Chris? Yeah. I gave it 5.5. 5. Suckers! It's, <laughs> it's really hard in the context. So scoring this stuff is hard because you score it against everything else in the festival because mm. when i first saw this i was like this is a three for me initially i gave it a six i'm only knocking it down because there were better ones and i was a little bit on the 
Chris, you were saying you enjoyed this and you're giving it a four. That's low. That's, man. No, I enjoyed the first half and then it just completely slipped off. Yeah, again, no spoilers, but the ending is a trope. I think everyone yeah. can agree the ending it's was so, so dumb. It and just so didn't Stephen make any King. Sense. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, fuck it, I'm going to give this. Uh, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Um, which sets the bar for what some of these others <laughs> are going to be getting from me later on. <laughs> Uh, then we had Let Her Out, which was uh, a world premiere. It was the last film of our first night. It was directed by Cody Callahan uh, with Alana Levierge, Nina Curie, Adam Christie, Kate Fenton, Michael Lipka. It's a Canadian movie. Um, I'm just going to read some of the synopsis out from the brochure. Yeah, because this one's one of the best. Yeah, yeah this is great. <laughs> great opening line. 23 years after her hooker mother tried to kill her in the womb, Helen remains damaged psychological goods. <laughs> A mindset that gets worse when she suffers a traumatic head injury in an accident. Awakening in the hospital, it's discovered Helen has a tumor growth in her brain, causing her to experience dark visions, disembodied voices, and the omnipresence of a strange young woman. Soon lost in a walking nightmare in which nothing is what it seems, and her vicious actions barely remembered, it becomes crystal clear that whatever is inside her cracked psyche will stop at nothing to get out. Chris. Yep. <laughs> How do you feel about this movie? Uh, that was probably my I, I kind of equal with the, the first one of the night kind of in terms of how much I liked it um, I'm trying to remember it really <laughs> <laughs> yeah again, they all kind of meld together they do. hard to go back to the first day uh, Katie let's start with you then while Chris gathers um, his yeah. thoughts I remember after watching it that I really didn't like it um I remember the lead was terrible, um, and the acting was deplorable. But it now, in perspective, it's hard because we've all, we've seen some just like outrageously <laughs> terrible acting since then. So it's like I go back Time to that, roll. and I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I go back to this one, and I was like, oh, I remember like they could actually hold the screen though, so maybe that wasn't that bad. But I think on its own. I just, yeah, it just, I didn't care for it at all. I, did, I remember there was what there's one scene in particular with the doctor when the doctor is telling her that about oh, this tumor, yeah. and it's like <laughs> oh, freaking it's improv scene, oh. just gone drastically wrong. It's like if I, I'm not, if I was a betting person, I'll put money. <laughs> on well, you, you she's like fucked. tells her, you know, basically that she's got this tumor in her brain and that she needs to get it out, yep. and she's got like she needs to set an appointment or basically to have surgery, and this girl is literally like. Can I think about it? Yeah. Like, she's literally telling you, you're going to die if I don't do this. And this girl's like, I don't know, maybe. And her friend is terrible, who's supposed to play, like, the second lead in it. She's and... a horrible best friend. Oh, she's she the really worst was. best really friend. Bad. Yeah. It just is like... She, I... So she, like, again, no spoilers, but this is early on in the movie, and it's a setup for the movie. Mm -hmm. But she leaves her alone. Her that friend then gets into a car accident. And she just left her. And you would have a serious emotional guilt over, I just left my friend and then she was in a car accident. I, mm -hmm. If I'd been there, things would have been different. Yeah. And instead, she's just constantly, oh, just get over it. Why can't we do this? Let's throw it. And she immediately throws her a rager party. Yeah, it's her back. welcome back party. She's had brain a brain in injury and she just throws her a huge <laughs> fucking rager well and she's there when the doctor says like you're basically not going to be held responsible because you're having these like lapses in consciousness and she doesn't remember things and she's seeing visions and hearing voices yeah. and her friend hears her saying all of this to the doctor and then she just continues to get upset when her friend is like 
I don't remember what happened last night. I'm hearing vision or I'm hearing things and I'm seeing visions. And she's like, she just acts like it's such an imposition on her life. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. The the story was weak to say the least, in my opinion. Um, this, the, yeah. So my tweet for this was, cause I remember not liking it at all, but no. liking it a little bit more than sell. Um, for me personally not because it was a better film sells definitely but sell for me annoys me more because it's a big budget right. movie with mm-hmm. people with talent whereas yeah. this is a little straight to dvd thing clearly yeah um uh, but i've got <clears throat> my tweet it's a completely innocuous pointless straight to dvd horror with laughably bad dialogue and hollow characters um but i was kind of but i think because it's hard to condense stuff into it obviously mm-hmm. but i do remember the innocuous was kind of my, my big feeling of it it was like this doesn't really need to exist there's a million films like this but at the same time it's not insulting like it's right. not you know it's yeah. dumb and it's stupid but it's not like it's horrible torture to get through you know mm-hmm. it's you can watch it um so i'm actually going to start off i'm going to give this one a slightly higher reviewed and sell which may be wrong but i'm giving it a four because if i had to watch one of those two again i'd probably watch that one again to be honest there was a bit at the end and i can't do spoilers which i quite liked you didn't like it um but actually worked for me there was like a spooky bit at the end to do with a car um which for a moment actually had me of like, oh, I kind of like this moment because it finally got into horror Wait, uh, territory. Yeah. Someone's trapped inside a car for a bit and there's a little scene around it that was actually... No, a I didn't have scene. a problem with that aspect of it. I know, you had the changing... No, what part. I had a problem with was that you were literally following someone running oh, no, around yeah, yeah. in an actual circle. Yeah, yeah, was and amazing. I was like, if she crawls back through that window for a second time, I'm out because this is fucking crazy. <laughs> yep. Like that ending just went on for about 20 minutes longer than it needed to. And it was already <laughs> like, it was only 89 minutes. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So it was like, they needed some serious editing or just a boost in story at the end. I gave it a four out of 10. I gave it a four too. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. But I gave cell well, four, so I'll probably give it Maybe 4.5. Okay. I can't believe you guys think that trash is better than John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was the end of the first night. Then we had Friday. Uh, we began with, because now we get into our particular order. So can someone tell me what was the first one? So I can oh. keep my it page up. House on... Oh, no, wait. Sorry, Mercy. I'm looking. Mercy. Mercy, yeah. We opened with Mercy. Oh, directed yeah. by Chris Sparling. Starring James Walk, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Tom Lipinski, Dan Zizitsky. Can people can actors have easier names to read? Please? Uh, <laughs> I think you have to do all the actors. This is a USA film. Uh, so it's from. So this one was from the writer of Buried, mm-hmm. um, which got me excited because mm. I'm a huge fan of Buried. Yeah, I genuinely think it's one of the, uh, a hidden gem that most people haven't seen, mm-hmm. um, which is a fantastic film with Ryan Reynolds. Go watch it. His best film. Oh, that's so good. Um, and it was from the director of the Atticus Institute, which I've never seen, but I've read some positive things about. Um, but it calls it an unbearably tense home invasion chiller with a killer twist. Two sets of estranged half-brothers return to their childhood home to say a last goodbye to their mother on her deathbed. Soon, hidden motives are revealed, fueled by old hurts and current relationship strains that get tested further when shocking secrets from their mother's past are revealed. And so begins a restless, stressful, edgy night that goes terribly awry when everyone is suddenly thrust into a fight for survival. Essentially, it's just a home invasion movie, mm-hmm. but with the family there, you notice some, like... Uh, well, a very disjointed family you know that there's something going on that isn't revealed yet there's some secret that's happening you're not sure what it is which is kept for sort of some twists and turns later on um, this film is also kind of told um, out sort of out of sequence you kind of see some of it and then you go back and you see some more and you mm-hmm. fill in a bit more of the story um, looking back on it now it's kind of weird because in my head it's like oh I, I didn't really like that movie 
but because for a lot of reasons it didn't work for me some of which are spoilery so I don't want to really get mm-hmm. into them because I think some people definitely enjoyed this one yeah. but looking back on it now it was made quite well <laughs> like yeah. compared to some of the other films in the festival yeah. it yeah. had it definitely had a vision and it had ambition well and it um, had an end like you yeah. can always tell the ones that they actually have the end figured yeah. out when yeah. they start filming yeah. because these other ones like, like the they just start to unravel and this one really like it knew what it was going for and it did it yeah. at least yeah I just didn't really like where it ended up no. I thought it was actually going to go um, this isn't a spoiler because it's what doesn't happen but right. I thought it was going to go into a weird werewolf kind no, of no as story, soon as you said that happen. I was like that would have been amazing <laughs> um, but I'm afraid if you're looking for a werewolf maybe this is not one yeah. um, and there's some decent acting in here uh, my Twitter for it was adequately made but completely pointless um, an apathetic attempt yeah. at a twisty single location family thriller which yeah. I don't think stand by I think it was completely fine but there was nothing yeah. to get it out straight to DVD territory for me mm. you'd have to be a real fan of the genre I think yeah what about you guys I really like the story. Uh, well, at least at the beginning, because um, I'm a huge fan of like internal familial struggle. struggle. Um, so at the beginning, I was like, "Oh, this is great." You bring in family who's not really the biggest fan of each other for a central character, which was the mother. Um, she was really the only tie that held them all together. And then you kind of had this moral conflict because the whole reason it's called mercy is that you're introduced at the beginning to the idea that there is a, a way to ease the mother's suffering and it's in like shot form essentially. So there's this controversy that divides the family even further about whether they should administer this drug or not. Um, and I thought that the, that premise to me is like, it's solid because mm-hmm. it's, it's something that is a struggle for a lot of people, it's emotional. Um, and then you throw the home invasion into it, and I was like, yeah, you got me. But then, yeah, I, I didn't care for the ending at all. Yeah. And I didn't think the home... There were a couple of moments in the home invasion that was effective, but a lot of it I right. found kind of dumb. Um, yeah. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm, I really like home invasion films as well. Um, I find them to be one of the most kind of intense feelings when you're watching a film, when it's all kind of claustrophobic. Yeah. Um, I feel like they didn't really pull off the the scares very well when they revealed the the, the people like, intruding yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't didn't have that kind of it didn't work as well as it could have yeah um, I, I don't think... know if that's about the lighting in the house it seems like it didn't really add to the effect there's, there's something going on that just didn't scare me mm-hmm. um, I think it's downright silly when they actually reveal what's going on oh it's yeah just, it's just yeah. silly it kind of deflates the entire film for me it yeah. really does so in the end I just didn't get that kind of home invasion feel from it really um mm-hmm. but it was mediocre i guess yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which is damning praise <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna give this one actually a 4.5 because i definitely liked it more than um yeah the last two films that we talked about just in terms of it had something going on with it that was interesting i just didn't like where it ended yeah you guys scores would you get chris I would oh, give it, I think, I'm trying to just put it against the others. 4. Do you want to write them down? It's kind of easier if you can yeah. reference back to your yeah, other numbers. <laughs> um, I gave it a 5.5. 5. 5. So it's on par with the self for me. Yeah, yeah. In that, yeah, I like the premise. Fell apart at the end. Okay. Yeah, I think I actually all upgraded It was decent five. acting. I do remember mm-hmm. the acting being okay. Uh, then we moved on to the world premiere of From a House on Willow Street. This is directed by Alistair oh. Orr 
with a cast of Shani Vincent, Carolyn Burchell, Steve John Ward, Zeno Ventura, a South African film. Yeah, they were uh, very proud of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the problem when you see these films and all the directors and writers and cast get down there. It's, it does affect your enjoyment of the film, or if they seem like nice people or not. And I don't want to get into naming names and their stuff, but one of the people who got down for this seemed like a really nice person to me and really made me like the movie more. And now the one of them did the opposite for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a synopsis. Though. Kidnappers abduct the daughter of a wealthy diamond distributor in Cape Town. But when they have her locked up in their hideout and prepare to issue their ransom demands, they realize too late that she's been possessed by a sinister and very powerful demon. Uh, that's kind of weird, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, should I start with this one or someone else? I'll start with this one. Who wants to go? Chris, you go. Uh-oh. Um, but, uh... Chris needs time <laughs> to recollect. <laughs> He's the youngest of us, but his brain is like a sieve. Yep. Uh, I can start with this one because I, I, I had the controversial. So we go in the group of a fluctuating amount of us up to 13 or 14 on certain films. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's always, what, eight of us at least? Yeah, yeah. Eight or nine. a solid like six to eight core group. Um, well, definitely one because you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, at least between seven and nine for every mm-hmm. film kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I say six to eight. Why is it? And most people didn't seem to really enjoy this film. I and I because we came out and I heard everyone like really being mean to it. Um, I enjoy, I enjoyed this movie more than anybody else by far. Uh, it was the first proper horror movie of the festival, um, yeah. um, and I really like the basic setup for it. I liked the kidnapping going on and then it turning out that the girl's actually already possessed. I like that kind of twist on it. Um, I genuinely thought the setup and the build at the beginning was good. It was all really bad dialogue, like atrociously mm. written dialogue. Um, but it was stylishly filmed as well and it had some proper horror moments in it. And it was one of the only films in the festival. I'm trying to think if there was another one. I think it was the only film festival. It actually got one jump from me. And they were very cheap scares. It was, you know, mm-hmm. you know, loud music, something jumping out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the makeup effects were actually good. Um, it falls apart for me c- completely at the end again like <laughs> a lot of these movies it just got kind of dull and boring uh, but what I put on Twitter is it's a stylish but largely pointless retread of demonic horror with a terrible script but a strong first half um, and that's how I felt about it like I genuinely thought of this I, I used to watch a lot of horror that went straight to DVD and I don't really I value my time too much now just to watch all the dross that comes out mm-hmm. but this one reminded me of you know, one that I would have seen it went straight to DVD and it would have been actually that's pretty good. Like it's stylish and it's got a cool idea to it. Mm-hmm. I just don't like where they go with it. Um, yeah. Again. Um, I also like the poster. I think it's a cool poster. Yeah, it's, so it's called painted hand painted poster. Um, but you guys were not as big fans. Let's start with Katie who I know did not like this movie. Uh, yeah, I just I found the characters pretty cliche. Um I just yeah, I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I, didn't, I don't think that the premise is unique at all. I just thought it was like, you. Th- it's to me, it's those films where you're like, we want to make this film, but we need to know that we have to make it different and stand out. So we're going to take the normalcy, which is like a kidnapping. But what if you kidnapped a girl who is already possessed? And then it's like, okay. That's cool, what if? Like I that's, know, that's but really I just—I don't know. Different. I genuinely don't think I've seen that before, and I've seen a lot. No. Of... I just—I guess I wished that, like, 
it's not really a spoiler, but like she's she's already like she's already obviously got some shit going on with her when they take her from this house, and it's like, what? Why would you not like? It just bothers me when it's, you know, when people don't act like they would normally act. It's like they I I would have liked it a lot more if she would have just been kind of normal, whatever, and then they took her. Or at least don't show her eyes or something. Like, don't show her to us until they pulled the hood off later or something. I really wouldn't. I liked, I liked I just, it. I don't know. I liked it being there, and I liked pretending that I hadn't read the synopsis, so I didn't know that. And I wouldn't have got that from it. Me, like, oh, she's possessed. I, you know, I wouldn't have got it. Like, she... Because they even, you know, at one point say, you know, are we actually rescuing her from this house? Because she looks like she's being abused. And mm. that was kind of yeah. more the vibe of it. Because all she really has is some bloodshot eyes, and she's kind of cowering in a corner. No, uh, she literally says, like, you, you shouldn't take me yeah, or something. Yeah, she says you shouldn't take me. She says, if, I, if you me. take me, you're all going to die. She says that later, I thought. I don't think she says that when, before. Well, I don't know. I but it was, to me, it was really predictable. Like, I, as soon as you looked in and blah, 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 it was like, every step, I felt like I already knew what was going to happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. But I, I just thought it was executed well in the first half. I find it very interesting. Yeah. I didn't like Chris, really where do you fall? Um, well, yeah, I, I liked the effects that they um, gave the, the the spooky monsters. <laughs> um, I also really liked the effects that they gave to um, the paintings, like the way they changed when they yeah, yeah. at them. I think that's that had kind of like an insidious vibe, and I'm a fan of that. Um, uh, I don't know. You're struggling. It, well, they they relied a lot on jump scares. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's a cheap, cheap movie. But they use the same jump scares over and over and over yeah. again. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I, I gave this a 5.5. 5. I got 5. I gave it a 5. Okay. That's still pretty high for you, Katie. Yeah. Uh, it is, to, like, 5 is not high for me. Well, 5 like, is, like, five right is in the middle. Like, that means it's That means you got 50%. Fine. You failed. Yeah, that means it's fine. 5. No, you failed. At this 50 right five. in the middle. 50% is all right. No. <laughs> that means you got half of F. it right. If you get 50% on a test, you failed the test. Yeah, that's dumb. I never understood that one. It's like, under 70%, you fail. It's like, how does that make sense? I did 70% really good. No, ours was 65 right. and under. Ours was 70-something. Tamara's moving settees. No. For those wanting to know, Tamara update. Um, okay, fair enough. We had, a lot of, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of divisive films, actually, this year. It was, was refreshing. Um, so the next film up was Chamber, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Chamber, which was the world premiere directed by Ben Parker. Uh, it's a UK film with Charlotte Salt, Johannes Kunk, uh, Christian Hilborg, Elliot Levy, and James McArdle. Um, it's a feature uh, debut uh, from Ben Parker, director of an acclaimed short called Shifter, which I've never seen. A special ops unit commander, command, commander, commander. Uh, sorry, a special ops unit commander, a commercial research vessel, and it's submersible. The Aurora, shut up. The talking's hard. <laughs> yeah, can't read tonight. Uh, under the command of Captain Matz, who is Johannes Kunk, who people might know from Force Majeure, uh, to locate a mysterious item at the bottom of the Yellow Sea off the dangerous shores of the Korean Peninsula. When an explosion causes a sub to overturn and take on water, the four-man crew enter a pressure cooker situation. So I was kind of excited about this one. So I think I said this was the one I was most excited for for uh-huh. the whole festival. Mm. Uh, the poster looked kind of cool. I like underwater things, and I really love Force Majeure. Yeah, um, and I like that, that actor. Awesome. And so I was looking forward to this. Um, and it was cool. The director of this is like a big fright fester. He, yeah. This was his first. He was like, oh, I, 
you know, came to Fright Fest and I wanted to make a horror film. So I made a horror film about hmm. things that scare me, which yeah, is claustrophobia, tight yeah. spaces, blah, blah, blah. So. Uh, it's also tight. It's like 88 minutes. Yeah. So it's a good short one. Yeah. Uh, Katie, let's start with you. Uh, I was a big fan of this one. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was a little loose at the beginning, oddly enough, um, but I felt like it came together in some really great ways. And then uh, he he directed and wrote action really well. Um, and he kind of said in the Q&A as well, and one of the actors did too, that uh, it was almost more difficult because it's a really tight space. So they're, they're saying that there are four people inside of a really tiny sub um, cause it's not even meant to be a commercial submarine. It's like basically a discovery vehicle or it's something just for two people. Yeah. <laughs> and so they double the weight. Um, and it, it quickly becomes like a thing where the action is so compressed both physically and emotionally because like you, you punch someone or you hit someone or you move someone and it's like, you're, you're in everyone's space. You're not just in that person's face. So it was, I thought I was really impressed, honestly, watching it that you could, it didn't ever feel like you were just a fly on a wall of like a very chaotic wall. You felt like you really understood all the motions of what was happening. He did a really great job of like really plotting all of that stuff out. And to be clear, like 99.9% of this movie is inside the sub. Like you, yeah. don't, you don't get, they didn't have the budget for it either. And I think he didn't want to do that from the looks of things either. Yeah. They don't get, you don't get shots outside of the ocean or the sub like moving by. No. You're inside it. The only shots you get no the ocean. No windows. Yeah. The only shots you get are through their little uh, CCTV cameras that they have. Um, so you get a few like fuzzy. But those aren't even really working. Shots of water. Yeah. Most of the time. So most of it, you're just in this little tin room. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Which... I uh, appreciate. So I was a bit worried about that because when I realized that, I thought maybe this was going to get quite dull. Right. Um, and I had, I had problems with the beginning of this actually, because I really, I thought it wasn't shot that beautifully to begin with, mm-hmm. which kind of disappointed me. I thought it was going to look a bit more big budget, and it's definitely a very low budget movie. Um, and the lead actor I liked, but the other actors were driving yeah. me crazy. Two of them in particular, the the female, plays a purposely obnoxious uh, character, which is fine, but just well, she plays that like woman marine it was, I have it was to too much for me it was leadership too much. Role. i didn't it, it just drove me crazy and they're purposely keeping the lead character out of the loop so much that they keep the audience out of the loop and i'm just like well yeah. i don't feel like i'm on this ride then really because yeah. i'm not involved with anything and a lot of the banter just felt quite forced uh for a long time in the movie to be mm-hmm. honest but it really won me over in the last half hour um, when they get to the real kind of you know crisis happening and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and the tension builds, I think very effectively, and it's a cool ending and a great, great last few minutes, mm-hmm. a really great mm-hmm. last few minutes. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I kind of have mixed feelings on this because I really didn't enjoy quite a lot of it, even though it was fine, um, and then I really enjoyed the ending, the last yeah thirty mm-hmm. minutes. So. Mm. Christopher Strabler. Uh huh. Um going along the same lines as Home Invasion I like that claustrophobic feel to that kind of film and it had that effect you really feel like you're really closed in tight um, and uh, it just meant that any arguments or any fights that were going on were just so much more magnified <laughs> because they're all in this really tight space um, and from that yeah, it was, just, it was awesome I actually really did enjoy this one okay yeah cool Anything else to say about it? We just want to give scores and move on. Uh, We've gone forty-five minutes already, so let's yeah, let's chip on then. Scores. Uh, 
I would go going the ones up maybe eight. 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 Yeah. Oh, wow, high score. Yeah. I did eight point five. Eight point five. I really liked it. Like, I definitely rate it higher if I would come back and watch something again, which I totally yeah. would on this. Um, I might mute her out at some point. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I really don't know because I really quits. didn't like. So for about an hour of it, to be honest, I would have given it just a five. I guess and maybe then, like conceptually is the thing that really intrigues me about it. Mm. It just sometimes I thought the cheapness worked for it because I thought they used it well, and other times it just felt cheap. Um, I don't know. I really don't know what to give this. I'm gonna give it a seven right now, but I just because I like the ending. But potentially, if I went bad to it, it might go to a six point five. To be honest. Yeah. Um, then we had White Coffin, the UK premiere, directed by Daniel De La Vega, cast Giulietta Cardinali, Rafael Don't even Ferro. try on these names. <laughs> Some, a bunch of people from Argentina. Uh, 75 minutes is one, the shortest at the festival. Uh, Argentine horror steps into a bold new dimension uh, with a grisly supernatural shocker, scripted by Latin American genre pioneers, other names I can't pronounce. What do they say about it? When Virginia's young daughter is abducted on a stressful road trip, a sinister car accident grants her one more day to intervene with fate. But on her momentous path, she finds out there are worse things than death in a seat-edged tale of after-death resurrection, occult ritualism, and unspeakable purpose. It's unspeakable. Shall we move on? So this was so we look so by this point in the festival, we'd had a bad opening night. And we'd had Tamara's looking at me with a little grin on his face. We had a Friday, Tamara. I'm going to speak to you right now. We had a bad opening night, the worst opening night, I would say, in the history of Fryfest mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then we'd had a Friday, which nothing had blown me away yet, but the chamber, like we just said, had been good enough. Yeah. I enjoy, and I'd enjoy bits of from our house on Willow Street. This was for me the beginning of, of the slide, <laughs> the very quick slide down. I was already getting kind of tired of not loving anything, and then mm. this came out. and Some people really seem to enjoy this movie, and I, it's one where I guess I can understand. I find it hard to judge because it's definitely got a different culture going on there, so there's a different flavor yeah. uh, than I'm used to. For me, it didn't work at all, at mm. all. It felt like a movie that could only be good if Quentin Tarantino had made it because it felt like that kind of idea. You know, it was a bunch of women basically trying to get their children back from some cult that's stolen mm-hmm. them, and there's kind of a twisty, turny narrative to do with the white coffin. Yeah, and it could have been really cool. I think the idea could be really cool, yeah. but the way this was approached was so dumb. Um, I didn't believe anything that happened. The lead character was just graded on me, uh, and the ending was actually pretty very dark ending. Um, yeah. but just again, I just couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Yeah. Mm. So I'm happy to move on as quickly if you yeah. say what you want. <laughs> I I didn't like it. <laughs> That's pretty much. <laughs> I think I think I I would have liked it had they gone just like again if you'd yeah. gone full tilt like mm-hmm. if they would have gone super labyrinthine, um, if you would have gone like, you know, Willy Wonka with it and just made it really because they wanted More to. No, but they wanted to like they wanted it to be weird and obtuse and like dreamlike yeah, surreal and, and surreal, and they tried on certain scenes, and those scenes were enjoyable, even though you were lost completely. But you wanted this Alice in Wonderland sort of feel, and they went like halfway with it, and it was just confusing and muddled. And yeah, the ending was powerful, but only because they played on really powerful yeah themes concepts. So all right, scores yeah. four point five. Four point five. Wow. That is not high for me. I don't know if our scales are off. Uh, What do you give? 3.5. Yeah, I gave it a 3. Only because there's more to come. Mm. Well, I would probably give it less, maybe. Uh, Then we had uh, a preview um, of They Call Me Jeeg, 
Uh, here it says they call me Jeek Robot, but it's actually just called They Call Me Jeek. Uh, <laughs> which is an Italian film, 118 minutes. Had a great uh, story here from the director, Gabriele Manettis, um, who uh, basically went out and produced it himself. He spent how many years trying to get this made? Five, he said. Five years he said after five years after it was already like done, he was looking for producers and he couldn't find it. thing is, I don't really know what that means because then he said, so I went and produced it myself. So like, well, then did know. you put your own money into it then? Probably. I mean, you, you must have. But this, this film uh, is basically uh i don't actually want to say too much about yeah. it but it's a, basically a comic book movie but not based on a comic book um it does have a nod to a japanese anime that was a real japanese anime from the 80s um or 90s and i can't remember 80s i think um but essentially it's about a uh he's, he's a thief who's selling yeah. stuff to a gang in italy and the gang's kind of on the well trying to make it into the big leagues but they're they're kind of embarrassingly yeah uh, falling short all the They're time like small time and then he has an accident um and he gets into some toxic waste and gets <laughs> superpowers essentially and finds he's incredibly strong can survive most things it's kind of really his power isn't he? he's sort of invincible and strong mm-hmm. he yep. doesn't really do anything else um and then meets this girl who lives in the flat next to him who's the daughter of one of the people in this gang and she's clearly had an abusive uh, depressing life mm-hmm. and she latches onto him and kind of forces she's him she's obsessed with the anime yeah she's obsessed with the anime and kind of tells him that you should use these powers for good rather than bad because he's using them to sort of rob yeah. grannies she's kind of deranged ATMs. though because like she literally lives her life in a world that she thinks is this anime world yeah everything yeah. is defined so by stuff she like this. calls him one of the people from the anime calls her dad one of the people from the anime like she's very in tune to this thing yeah and uh, he only uses his powers for bad things until he meets her which yeah, is exactly. kind of funny uh, this was a fucking great movie. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think unanimously all of us, at this point at least, thought this was the best movie at the festival. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's really stylish. It's really, it's got a great um, intimate feel to it. It feels like a, not, not a pretentious art house film, but just like a, well, like a lot of foreign language films mm-hmm. where it's got some real soul to it and yet it's still got a blockbuster feel the action's very cool like there's some great direction um there's some stylish cool like music in it as well it's very funny in places it's genuinely yeah. sad in places yeah uh my review here on twitter said it's a joyous thrilling beautiful sincere deconstruction of the comic book genre despite treading a tired path um which i agree like i've seen all this a million times before mm-hmm. i love comic books but i'm sick and tired of comic book movies and I have no time for non-comic book movies, like ones that pretend to be a comic book but aren't actually based on pre-existing yeah. material. Because uh, mm-hmm. we don't need more comic book movies. Why invent stuff? Nope. <laughs> but this is this was an exception because this was genuinely a joy to watch. Um, my only fun. problem with it, it didn't need to be as long as it was for me. Like it was, it was two hours long, and I was fine with it being two hours long. But I didn't feel it needed to be, and there was definitely a place I would have preferred it stopped. Um, but I won't say where for spoilers. It's kind of nice. The director was saying that you know he was immediately approached because it got huge reviews and like a lot of media attention in Italy, and it was even to the point that they were gonna they were gonna push it to distribution, and they it was like from acclaim from people and from viewers that they kept it in cinemas longer. Yeah. Um. So it it had a great reception. Um, and then I think it was Luca Marinelli who plays the 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 gang boss or whatever you want to yeah. call it. He like he's huge now because of this film. Like it was so well accepted, and they immediately went to the director and were like, "When is the sequel coming out?" And he was he was just like such a great like 
artistic person because he looked at everything so genuinely. And he even said, you know, you know, I, I have written it and he's like, the sequel is done, but I want to, I want to sit on it for two years and I want to come back to it. And he said, you know, and if I come back to it and it's not something I want to do, I won't do it. And it's just so refreshing, I think, to just have a human that is, you know, has made something that is already receiving so much acclaim and he's not letting it destroy what something that was obviously really important to him and that he had a lot of passion to create. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was a great story. Chris, you like the song? Uh, yeah, loved it. It was probably my, yeah, I think it's my favorite of Fright Fest. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I'd like to see more stuff like this um, in terms of like, not just like the the big studios making comic book movies, but like in this case, someone from Italy making something this awesome. Yeah, yeah I would love to see a you know a pre-existing comic book yeah. handled in this kind of way, where it's yeah. not more mm-hmm. sold to. There's a great performance, yeah, from the, that's the guy you're talking about, isn't it? The yeah, I think, I think it's. That's who he, is. he does a very Jared Leto Joko from Suicide yeah, yeah. Squad type role, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Bef- this would have been shot before that, mm. um, which is interesting because he arguably does it better than Jared Leto did. Uh, definitely in better context, <laughs> the yeah. character yeah. works for this. Um, I gave this one an 8.5. I gave it a 9. Ooh. I would go 9. Ooh. Yep. Excellent. And then last summer on Friday, we had the UK premiere of Pet. This uh, oh, was directed yeah. by Carl's Torrance. And it had Dominic Monaghan from Lord of the Rings and Lost. Uh, Ksenia Solo, Jeanette McCurdy. Seriously, these fucking people, Tamara. <laughs> can you all get your names in line so I can say them easier? <laughs> this is a, uh, a USA Spanish film, 90 minutes long. Um, again, this is, this one's very much, and it's built on the posters, so there's no spoilers here, twists and turns. That's what and Dominic kept saying, twists and turns, twists and turns. Mm-hmm. There are twists and turns, so no doubt going in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but essentially, it's about a guy who becomes obsessed with a girl. He's working in an animal shelter, yeah, and he uh, kidnaps her. Um, and put her in a cage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for reasons that you might think you know and then things can kind of change and then it sort of goes around uh, yeah I really I like the poster for this one I like Dominic quite a lot he came he was very lovely lovely Lily mm-hmm. uh, flew in for the festival and came down and we were the last showing of this one and he stuck around for it it was like a midnight yeah. screening mm-hmm. he was lovely he came down such a nice guy chatted about how much he loves Greece the musical yeah, yeah. Um, he's clearly quite drunk yeah <laughs> But yeah, he seemed lovely. Really gave me a good vibe for getting into this movie. Yeah. It shot well. Um, I like the premise of it a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writing, I thought, was pretty bad throughout. And there's a bunch of twists and turns that, for me, just don't work, given the context. And by the end, it's all gone a bit off the rails. Yeah. Do you wish it um, had twisted when it turned? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was just one of those things where, and I, I, to this benefit, I did not see some of the twists and turns coming at all. Um, and it was definitely better once I'd seen some of them because I was like, well, I've seen movies like this before done mm-hmm. better. But then it definitely does some things different. Um, but yeah, so my Twitter, like I said, it had a great premise, fun twist, but its presentation was merely adequate and its finale was lackluster, but it was a solid ride. What do you guys think of Pet? Yeah, I I liked most of it. Um, it's one of those ones where, when the director comes out or anyone comes out and they say there's going to be twists and turns, you're like, oh, so we're going to easily tell what's going to happen. Yeah. But in this case, 
that didn't happen where it twisted it turned and yeah it went <laughs> all different all different ways um yeah I, it was it was good i think yeah it was a solid way to end that night for sure yeah like, none of the other movies that day could i've had as the late night film i don't think jeek would have been a good late night uh, yeah. it's a bit too long i think for the late night <laughs> yeah maybe yeah mm. what's in your life I loved it um, because it's my favorite genre, which is the psychotic love genre. Um, and I like crazy people who can't get away from each other. Like yeah. you're just drawn by something that you can't control. Um, it's very hard to talk about this film properly without spoilers. I know. So. And I, I will try to refrain. Um, my only real complaint was the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. wish I was really hoping it was going to go a certain way and maybe that kind of set me up for disappointment because you should really just let the story be the story that the person wants to tell but I honestly I thought the way I would have ended it would have been stronger um so but I I I did appreciate uh like Dominic was saying before he when he came out he said you know that he got this script like two two or three years ago like and it just was one that spoke to him. It was it was way longer. He said it was after the second season of Lost. Yeah, it was when oh, he right. was. Oh right, because he said it was before longer, the writer like, strikes. Ten years ago, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they and were gonna get what's her name? Shannon uh, Sossaman. Yeah, they was gonna play the, taps, the lead. Things changed, and then it fell out of. Yeah. Then it got bought by someone else, and it went mm. round and round basically. Right. Until so they really had to try and change it. Yeah, I don't think they probably did change much to be honest. I thought the lead girl was amazing, honestly. I liked her more um, later on in the film mm-hmm. than I did at the beginning. At the beginning, yeah. I don't really see her as the role that they're trying to put her in. Yeah. Because when she's she... like way too pretty to be what they're trying to say that she is, which when... is like a waitress. Yeah, when she's just out in the world at the beginning before yeah. he takes her, I didn't like her at all. I thought no. she was dreadful. I thought she was very stiff. Yeah. But once you get more into the meat of the film. I thought she did a great, yeah. great job. Yeah. It was kind of funny because she gets very Harley Quinn, I think, at points, and she just kind of has this interesting vibe to her. And it was kind of funny just after watching Jeeg because you mm-hmm. had like this kind of suicide squatty thing yeah. happening, but it was good. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I would watch it again. Schools? Uh, 8.5. 8.5. Uh, yeah, I would give it an 8. I gave it a 6.5. Um, I would potentially give it a 7, but I don't know. Let's continue uh, the stocking cap trend as well. Yeah. This one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stockings. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me move into Saturday. We're going to whiz through this day. Okay. Partly because well, we'll we missed the first minutes. one. Um, but partly because there's plenty here that we can whiz through. Uh, so the first film of the day was The Master Cleanse. was a European premiere. It's directed oh, by yeah. Bobby Miller. Uh, it stars Johnny Galecki from uh, The Big Bang Theory, Angelica Houston from her stuff she's been in, oh, Oliver Platt, really Anna Friel, Kevin J. O'Connor. Lots of people, mm. actors. I know how yeah. Angelica Houston and I would have got your butt out of bed. <laughs> uh, 81 Minutes, USA film. Uh, it says here, a soulful and darkly humorous blend of David Cronenberg-style body horror and freewheeling ambling satire. Amblin's E.T. Amblin, yeah. Um, this beguiling and highly unusual fantasy asks the all-important question, can we kill our demons before they kill us? After holding on to a romantic heartbreak for seven years, Paul decides to reboot his life, joining a spiritual mountain retreat designed to cleanse de- debilitating toxins and emotional baggage from his body. But events go from hippy-dippy to ultra-weird when Paul and his fellow patients discover a repulsive cleansing process releases something far greater. 
and traumatic experiences. <laughs> um, I was really excited about this one, but I woke up with like a, a huge, like a backache. You had a migraine or something. Yeah, I just I just could not get over there in time for this one. Uh, Chris, though, you're representing all the other people who saw okay. this one. Everyone <laughs> came out saying this was a great film. Yeah, um, I agree. They said it was more of a dramedy than a horror film in terms of... Yes, like definitely. I, I arrived 20 minutes late to the film, so I missed that, that first bit. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely not a horror. It was um, it's really nice, actually, because the, the monsters... Well, they're not really monsters, but in the film, they're, they're not CG or anything like that. They are practical effects. Cool. Everything is practical. Just, I liked that as well. Um, and the way they kind of... Um, sculpted those creatures to really represent each actor. Like you can really see their facial structure, and it's really cool. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend this one. I think that was probably one of the best ones of the day. I think. Well, you're the only person who can score this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I would. Um, wait a <laughs> just to be clear yeah this is um, everybody seems to yeah, enjoy this from our group so it's one I would say to check out I'd get eight eight mm, yeah nice mm. um, and then we got there just in time for the resort spelt with a Z which was the English premiere uh, directed by Are Steve you Americans that's a Z it's not a person's name <sighs> directed by Steve Barker <laughs> who previously did the two outpost films uh, which was zombie uh, Nazi films. Cast with uh, Doug, Doug Gray Scott, Jessica D. Gow, Martin McCann. Why are McCann, you even trying? Bentley Kalu. <laughs> Seriously, what's going on? It's a Spanish UK it has film. people in it. Um, Build as The Walking Dead meets Jurassic World um, in a fast paced, gory horror from Outpost franchise director Steve Barker. In the aftermath of an apocalyptic zombie outbreak, rich Hollywood makers can visit a luxury theme park where every paying guest has a license to kill the captive undead in organized zombie safaris. When the security system crashes, unleashing hordes of bloodthirsty zombies on their unprepared holiday makers. This film, Tamro, is literally a retread of Jurassic Park. Almost scene by scene. Almost. Mm-hmm. Almost scene by scene. Not quite. Uh, it was kind of funny because the director came out afterward. And he seemed like a nice enough guy until he started comparing it to Jurassic World because that was. He like, got upset yeah, about was, Jurassic they World. They saw the teasers when they were in finishing like the editing of this or something. Oh, I And it's like there were some shots which were exactly the same and some elements which were exactly the same. It's like you're comparing yourself to Jurassic World. I was so mad. Um, but this is essentially. How dare you? This is the the antithesis for me of a straight-to-DVD like horror film where it's just, you know, stupid action stars, like dumb effects, mm-hmm. lots of CGI, a big budget premise that it wants to be a huge blockbuster, but it just can't, obviously. It doesn't have the funds to do it. Um, it felt to me like Dead Island, the video game, turned into a, a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which to me sounds great because I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it could have been great. And yeah. looking back on it now in retrospect to some of the other shit that was shown, it was at least entertaining. Like I got through it in a wow, this is so bad mm-hmm. and B movie sort of style. Um, I thought it was way worse than Outpost. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's not a good film. It's a shame. Oh I was really looking forward to this one. As soon as I saw the resort and I saw that image and I thought uh, like a safari park with zombies yep. they could have done that in a really good way and uh, I was actually looking forward to it but mm-hmm. I was kind of bored of it yeah. but there's one basically for me it, yeah, it ticks the boxes of if you're a huge zombie fan and you like this idea of a Jurassic Park zombie film 
and you're used to watching shitty straight to DVD, <laughs> you know, like what, Mega Piranha and all of those kind mm-hmm. of movies, you'll probably enjoy this movie for the trash that it is because it is consistent trash <laughs> with big ideas. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't pull any of them off to it, you know, uh, elegant um, finesse to it. Uh, yeah, I just put down it's an uninspired mix of House of the Dead plus low grade Jurassic Park, which equals tedious Dead Island wannabe, but minus the fun. Mm hmm. Katie seems to have died by this point. You all right? Yeah, I, you and I disagreed a, a lot on the character, the actors in this. Oh, like, the lead actress in this. Despised the lead. I like, actually thought she was good. Despised her. <laughs> thought she was terrible. She was like a limp Liv Tyler. She just couldn't figure out how to get her lip to stop quivering. <laughs> it was just dreadful. I genuinely, just I genuinely dreadful. thought she was actually quite good in no, some scenes. She, wasn't. Like, she just had a horrible character and bad direction. No, but she's just bad. I thought she could act. You could put her in a bag and she could not get herself out of it. <laughs> That's how bad it was. She needed to switch roles with the other girl in it. She was also, yeah. And also die. She should have died. <laughs> All right. Um, that was the resort. I don't even know how to score that. I would probably give that. Where am we going with this? I'll probably give it like a 4.5 or a 5, somewhere right down the middle of stuff in terms of it's doing what it does if you're going just for straight to DVD stuff. It's mm-hmm. not uneven. There's a lot of films here which are just unwatchable. This one I could watch it. You know? Yeah. It just was a bad, bad movie. Yeah. Uh, I'd go 6, I think. <laughs> Oh my was that God. because of the lead lady, Chris? You liked it too much? Probably. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Four. Okay, four. Katie. Then we had Abattoir. Yep, yeah. Abattoir. Uh, directed by Darren Lynn Bowsman, who directed Saw 2, 3, and 4, as well as Repo, the Genetic Opera. That's a movie. Uh, cast with Joe Anderson, Jessica Lowndes, Michael Paré. Uh, Lin Shay, Brian Bat, a USA film, obviously. Uh, it's based on some popular graphic novels, apparently, which I didn't know about. Mm. After the death of her sister and nephew, real estate investigative reporter Julia uncovers the sinister truth behind a series of gruesome murders where the entire killing rooms have been dismantled and pulled from their foundations. It seems a strange man has been buying up locations where such tragedies have occurred. But why? The answers lead Julia and tough cop Grady on a search into unimaginable terror. And this had the same guy who was in Mercy, or not in Mercy, uh, My Father Died. The very first film, yeah. So I Joe really liked Anderson? him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked him in My Father Died. Yeah. I said after that film, you know what? Despite not loving that movie, I want to see him in something else. Yeah. Little did I know, two days later, I'll be watching him in something yeah. else and eating all of my words because, <laughs> oh my God, is he and everything in this fucking film atrocious? Yeah. Yes. So bad. A shit show. <laughs> For starters, it's like, it's about time travel, but no one told her, like, that, but that's not actually in the script. Like, it begins, because the director came out and said, oh, I wanted to make, like, a... No, not a director, sorry. An actor came out, didn't he? No, no the writer. Such... No, because the director... Was he there? Oh, he was there. He had yeah. pineapple hair. Yeah. Or did he... No, he did a video, because he wasn't there. He had a little pineapple hair. He did a video presentation. Um, but he said I wanted to do that was a... pineapple hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a dude with a little spiky pineapple hair on the video. Oh, I know. I don't remember. Because um, oh. he makes so who much money in LA then? making Saw movies. He's not going to come over. Who came out then? I don't know if anyone did. I think we just got the video. Thing. No, they did. Because somebody... The guy came out and said... It's really not I wanted it to, to be like Humphrey Bogart. No, that was on the video presentation. 
He said that on the video presentation. Are you sure? Yeah, but it might have been an actor there as well or something, but definitely the director said that. But anyway, really, I don't want to waste so much time on this one. The guy who did say anything about Humphrey Bogart needs to just, like, freaking cut his own tongue out to associate that <laughs> they said he wanted to make like a noirish film and sure enough it fucking starts and you're oh. convinced that this movie is in the 1930s yeah convinced because everything about it from the design of the set at the beginning to the clothes they're wearing to mm-hmm. the lighting to her lipstick to the hairstyle to the way they're talking to each other is horrible crime noir like novella stuff yeah. And like the, the, the cops just, you know, the camera pan behind is chewing a little matchstick while he talks to her like a dame. And then they get into an old 1930s car and drive off. And then she drives off and she's in her sister's house. And you're like, wait a second, this house is modern house. And everyone else is living now. And yeah. these two Normal fucking world. characters are living from the 1930s. And I genuinely yeah. thought time travel was going to come into this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to spoil the shit out of this movie because no one should fucking see this film. Okay. This film <laughs> is like, and I hate it. Like there are films made worse in this movie in festival for sure a lot worse but this movie gets me so angry because this is a man who's made a lot of money from saw films and other movies and these are people like some of these actors i know from other stuff Mm -hmm. and there's no excuse for a film like this it was it was so awful they go to this place and it's meant to be sort of twins peaks and twilight zone ish and Mm -hmm. it's throwing back to all of these cool old late school stuff and it just pisses over everything that it's trying to ape from it's so muddled and the only tiny sliver of anything good about this movie is this idea of uh, a huge castle essentially built from the rooms that tragedies have happened where right. ripped out the room bought the house ripped out that room put it together so all these ghosts are in one place yeah. but you get that for about 10 horrible minutes at the end of the film and they, they don't, don't even, even use do it well, it well yeah, yeah. Um, they just made it look like a really weird <laughs> Horror house or horror, <laughs> not horror. Yeah. Horror And all house, the money clearly like went there house. because there's a lot of spooky ghosty things because yeah. the rest of the movie is so cheap. So you, they drive behind a warehouse and then she gets out and someone says, oh, what are you doing in our town? Yeah, You're behind the a warehouse. You're clearly cop. just behind a fucking old warehouse. This yeah. is not a town. Mm. Terrible. My Twitter, I said, possibly the most painful screening I've had in 14 years of the festival. Incomprehensibly awful and please, please avoid and I mean that. Please, please avoid this yeah. movie. I gave it a two. Because it, I think, made a movie. That, you get a two for that. It's, it doesn't... It didn't really have an end. Nothing about it. didn't really it have a beginning. Works. But I think it was a movie. Like just, nothing about it, it works. completely muddled up. Like it, like the time travel stuff, but then also the idea of taking the kill rooms and doing something with them they just whatever they did with that just went and they just really did it wrong. in the woods for no reason yeah. and, they, and basically this entire town is meant to have pledged their children to this weird man who turned up and made a deal with oh, the devil yeah. yeah and and it and these and she was one of the ones her she and her sister, her sister were the ones that got away so their souls need claiming but there's never any indication as to what, why would they pledge their children? They mm. just do it. And there's no, no indication yeah. of what they get from that at all. There's one person mm. asked that at one point and he just sort of says this garbled dialogue back that makes zero sense. Yeah, it's just it kind of talking ridiculous. in circles. It's fucking awful. The villain was yeah. terrible. I'm giving, yeah. a, I'm giving it a zero because oh. no, 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 <laughs> just no. The whole world deserves better. Even the director of Saw 2, 3, and 4 can do better than this piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. Definitely. And it upsets me that people like this are making, sitting in LA making money. I'll, um, Stupid pineapple hair. I'll, I'll do one just to give it a 
Just to give it something. Yeah. <laughs> it had Tom's at the time a uh, favorite babe of the of the festival. <laughs> she, um, she could not shut her mouth for the whole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, then we moved into uh, Blood Feast. No, was that later for us? Which order did we have these in? Oh no. It yeah. Was. Then we have Blood Feast, <laughs> uh, which is a remake of a 1963 film. Directed by Marcel Waltz, uh, cast, I don't know, some fucking stupid people who signed a contract. Uh, it's a USA movie. I walked out of this one. This is the one I walked out of. Uh, Katie came with me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, a bunch of you stayed. Yep. <laughs> Wished you had. Oh, definitely. It's the worst film I think I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I don't really want to even get into this at all. It's, it's like no one should see this film. Um, it's an Egyptian, ancient Egyptian curse in an American diner in a Paris fucking, it's not Paris. It's not even Paris. You linger on the actors and they literally look like they're looking past the camera at a director it's, on screen. Like, have we cut? Move now. Are we cut? <laughs> There's these long silences. And then an Egyptian lady who's just some stupid woman <laughs> in a headdress peers out from around the corner <laughs> with one light behind her. So and I was out. That was my moment. But on the end of our seats, we had the director sitting there. I was like, I can't leave because the fucking director's there. I can't even like look around no. and aghast at people or anything. <laughs> and the second he left, I was like, should we go? Because <laughs> he couldn't sit through it. So I'm no not going. Awful. Awful, oh, awful. It was terrible. Um, do you want to score it, Chris? Because you sat for it. Technically, me and Katie have no right to score this. Oh no, what two? I'm good. Just everything about it was bad. Uh, if I could give minus scores, I would. So I'm gonna go zero. Zero. Whoa. Yeah. This is the thing, though. I mean, I walked out of it because by that point, after abattoir and the resort, I was like, I'm done. I can't do anymore. I it was a draining food. day. I was getting a headache. I was like, I need some food uh, before Sadako versus Kayako. Mm. Um, but but that said, I forgive a film like Blood Feast because I said it's like it's like a mosquito. It just doesn't really matter. Like, they're not, none of these people are going to work again mm. after that film. Whereas something like Abattoir could make yeah. money and that director will go on to make more shit films <laughs> and it's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Whereas Blood Feast clearly cost them nothing yeah. to make at all. Um, all right, then we had, finally, Sadako versus Kiako, one of the bigger films uh, of the festival, the European premiere, directed by Koji Shirai Araishi. Who are you even trying to... I'm looking to... at Tamara, as I say <laughs> Japanese names. Uh, cast was Mizuki Yamamoto. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. No, I'm not you, Chris. I'm not the Japanese man. Uh, how do you say? Uh, Aimi. Aimi. Satsukawa. Tina Tamashiro. Masanobu. And, oh, fuck it. Who cares? Uh, it's from Japan. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking This is obviously The Ring versus The Grudge, essentially. Mm-hmm. Which might confuse some Westerners, because I don't think... Kayako is a name that we know over here as much as Sadako. Mm. And Sadako even probably isn't as well known. Particularly since the American remake is called Samara. Yeah. I think over here Mm. it just needs to be rebuilt as the ring versus the grudge and they're not going to do that. So they might lose some viewers. Um, Yeah, but they have a good poster for it. I mean, they have the grudge and the ring girl, at least on the poster. That's true. Yep. Uh, this is one of those movies where we're all looking forward to it because we all at some point enjoyed either The Grudge or The Ring or both of them mm-hmm. uh, it's been a long time a lot of movies later none of us have seen the new Sadako movies have you seen any of them Tamro? the new ones um, and I think because this movie changes the lore of The Ring I think maybe it follows on from those ones mm. um, so I want to go back and watch them now and find out um, 
And I don't, there's really no point getting into the setup for it because it's just, it's, you know, an excuse for the two of them to have to fight, yeah. essentially. Yep. People, someone's getting, a bunch of people are getting haunted by the ring cassette, a bunch of people are getting haunted by the grudge house. <laughs> two Some adorable two girls. anime characters <laughs> walk in and decide the only way to <laughs> yeah. solve this problem is to get the two ghosts to fight each other. Amazing. And the whole time so you're thinking, how can a person... Uh, the grudge one, Akako, who literally just sort of walks like a spider yeah. and mm. makes clicking noises, and that's what she does. And then someone else who just walks like an upright spider and <laughs> just hangs her hair down. How are they going to be able to fight? And you're wondering this the whole time in your head, and it's, yeah, how you'd imagine in your head. There is. They yeah. dance, basically. They kind of, there's a point where they're sort of just dancing yeah, at like each other. Yeah, like a little dance-off, arm dance-off. Sadako's hair is kind of like a whip a lot of the time. But... I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Yeah. I thought it was shot actually really nicely. Um, I liked the setup a lot. It's not a scary film. No. Um, maybe no. if it's your first ever Ring or Grudge film, you can find something scary here. But for most of us, yeah. we've seen it all I think all they jumped now. one time and that was only... I don't remember what it was. It wasn't even something that was supposed to be scary. <laughs> but I think I like lapsed or something and then it just sounded like it be. It's purposely funny though, definitely yeah, in places funny. as yeah. well. And the ending is ridiculous. Like, the ending is a mess of just stupidity because the two of them fighting Nothing doesn't Nothing makes any sense at, at the all. end. Um, and yeah, they changed a lot of the law, so I, was, I just kept yeah. trying to figure out why have they changed how many days the curse was? Why did mm. they change? Why have they taken out the well and blah, blah, blah? But yeah, maybe it ties yeah. into these new ones. Um, Very enjoyable, though. Yeah, I genuinely enjoyed it. Some Super people in our group did. Some people in our group didn't enjoy it. Um, yeah. I actually thought it was one of the better ring films, but not for being scary, just for being entertaining, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, what I'd say. So taken as a silly trash that it is, it's a slick, fun, and disposable entry in these classic horror franchises. Yeah. Um, scores then for Sadako versus Kiyako. 7.5. Yeah, I agree. I'll do 7.5. Um, probably 6.5. You're running away yet, Tamara. This is going a long food. time. We're nearly. We're just at halfway, but we're going to stop in a minute and split for part two. Mm-hmm. One last film to do on Saturday: the European premiere, Beyond the Gates, directed by Jackson oh, yeah. Stewart, uh, starring Graham Skipper, Sarah Malakal Lane. She's American. She can't even have a name I can pronounce. Bria Grant, Justin Wellborn, Barbara Crampton. Uh, USA film. Following their father's mysterious disappearance, two estranged brothers reunite to liquidate his business, a video store specializing in horror movies. Digging through all the fire sale stock, they find an old VCR board game entitled Beyond the Gates. Deciding to play the obscure game for a laugh, they soon realize it holds the connection to their father's vanishing and the deadliest of consequences for anyone who dares to fall around with it. Um, it was a late night movie. It felt like a late night movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was, to be fair, it was the first, like, so it used to be at Fright Fest when everyone had the same films in the same order. The late night movie was always the dumb, fun, stupid, you know, B-movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which this was dumb, fun, in terms of it was meant to be funny. Right. The guys came out, didn't they, beforehand? Yeah. Well, they did, yeah. It seemed like lovely guys. Mm. Yeah. Great intentions. Really loved old films like Beyond, The Gate. That's why it's called Beyond The Gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, classic 80s uh, movies like that. For me, though, this felt like a film. It was made in LA, and it felt like a film made like yeah, down the road from where me and Katie actually live, but just 
by some people on their weekends with yeah. a camera and no money. Well, they kind of no said script. that that's how they started to make the movie. Like, they all just kind of were like, hey, do you want to, like, do a movie together? And it's going to be about this and about this. And they were like, yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly how it comes off. Yeah. And they just somehow got Barbara Crampton to do... She's not even really in it. She's just... No. She's part of the video... Or the board game. Yeah. yeah sort yeah. of. So... I think that that really, like, her name on there really carried some weight in how this got distribution. The problem was it just whatever. wasn't funny. Like, the energy wasn't there. The impetus no. wasn't there. And it really could have been. It should have been a fun Jumanji, you know. know. But you could have had a low-budget version. That's such sure. a good idea to do a yeah. great, like, Jumanji horror film. Yeah. I think it would be so great. But the energy was just not there yeah. at all. Like, they, were, I thought they had great intentions. I really do. Yeah. But it was just dull. Yeah. yeah, it was very dull and the very cheap. The way they cheap. Um, described it when they were standing out in front of us, I kind of thought it was going to be funnier in terms yeah. of when they go to that, uh, I guess, is he like the devil? Oh, yeah, I don't know what he's meant uh, to be. The guy uh, sells yeah. some of the board games. I was expecting that to be funny, but it wasn't. No, it wasn't funny at all. No. No. Uh, but the problem was because you need good chemistry between your two leads, and it was obvious they were real friends in real life, mm-hmm. but there just wasn't actually really any comedic chemistry. No. It was just very flat. And the, the girlfriend who was there was just a real chore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't believe their relationship either. Yeah, so it's a hard one to judge because, you know, it had good intentions and they had an idea for it, but it just didn't work and they didn't really have, to be honest, they just didn't have the talent for it, really, which is kind of sad. No, but, they yeah. didn't have the talent or the money. Um, so I would give this one... I think I'm going to have to put it in the same place as White Coffin, to be honest, because... Ooh. For very different reasons. Like, White Coffin probably succeeded better at doing what it was trying to do. I just didn't like what it was doing. This one didn't succeed at all, but I liked what it was trying to do. So what would you give it? That's a three. Oh. I gave it a 6.5. Holy moly! Because I thought it was like... I did find it fun. I thought it was like a great midnight movie. I thought it would... Like, I could completely see it as something I would watch when I was younger. Mm. So it's not like a scary movie. But to me, when I was little, it might have been like, oh, we're going to watch a scary movie because there's blood. But it should have been like Clerks, you know? I know. It should have had that feel to it. But the writing was just awful. Yeah. I just think that they didn't have... They had the concept. They just didn't have the talent to bring it it through. I changed it to a 3.5 because I do feel mean with my three. No, yeah. I (laughs) I thought that their intentions were great. I just thought that they they didn't have the means to carry it off appropriately. So, Christopher, I'll go five point five. I think. Very yeah, nice, very nice. That is just the end of Saturday night. We're going to end part one Saturday of the podcast night. right now. Uh, if you come back in a couple of days, we'll have the second part of this up, where we're going to be going through all of Sunday, all of Monday, a few less films, so it'll be a little bit shorter. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about my least favorite film. Oh, exciting! Hi. <laughs> Till then, we're out. Geeks! 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 Geeks!